No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. I'm in here with the one and only Smoke Dizzy. How you feeling? Really, I'm good, bro. Feeling Can't good? Complain. Can't complain. I was just in New York for the first time in a couple years, smoking big dope everywhere. What the fuck happened? <laughs> I mean, um, I think they got tired of doing that paperwork. Mm. Just don't make no sense. You know what time it is right now? Look at that clock. Ah, shit, it says 418 up there. It says 420 on my phone. But look, it's two minutes to, to 420, even though it's 420 on my clock every day. We're right there. It works itself out. Yeah, but I mean, that's crazy as fuck for anybody who's had to smoke in New York over the last, like, 10 years. You know that it has often been extremely Yeah, that's been the precarious. only thing I've ever gotten in trouble for. Really? Yeah, it's just letting it be stupid shit, like fucking uh, 27 grams Right. Wouldn't even be 28. Take my weed. Hack me up. <clears throat> Bullshit. Because even though it's New York, somebody who smokes as much as you smoke, it's just at a certain point. Like, you're just not going to be able to go inside or find a little spot to do it at. Sooner or later, you're just going to smoke on the corner. Yeah, I mean, it's like smoking a bogey at this point. Yeah, exactly. That's how you feel, yeah. but then you forget that there's still cops that have a stick up their ass, but then all of a sudden, that seems to have changed. Yeah, because some of them smoke weed, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... At the end of the day, if um, what are you gonna arrest somebody that's sick that has to smoke weed? It's not like we're actually out here committing crimes with it. I mean, you know, on a black market scale, if if they suspected somebody was um doing distribution, I guess, then they could pair it to violence somehow and mm-hmm. then have probable cause. But for somebody that's just casually just living their life smoking weed. A little pointless. It's always seemed crazy as fuck yeah. to be worried about that. I mean, that that is kind of the problem though. Is like, uh, you know, Biggs from Rockefeller got caught up with a crazy ass case for yeah. distributing many many pounds over the years, whatever. It's like, to a certain extent, they can't just let everybody smoke weed because then that encourages the black market, and they don't want motherfuckers getting rich and killing each other, etc. Right, right. I think. I mean, you know, that should even go on out here. Like L.A. is like. Probably a little more notorious for that, even though it's it's compliancy and, and, and shit going on over here on that level. But, you know, you could still get followed and <clears throat> whatever. Yeah, definitely. It's just, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, well, at this point, it yeah. is starting to kind of become where I think dealers who just sell on the black market are starting to, like, once again, be sort of looked at as people who are doing illegal things. And they're trying to do so much to make it so that it's hard for those dealers to get pounds by having the, the tracking systems on the pounds in the official grow ops. It's like every pound you grow got to be labeled and goes to the dispensary. And they know what happened to that pound every step of the way. They know how many ASA got broken up into. And all that shit is just them attempting to make it so it'll be really, really tough. To scheme on the system and not pay taxes. Yeah, I mean that's a lot, but you know they'll figure out a life hack. Yeah, yeah, that's what they always tell me. Like we'll figure (laughs) it out once the system's in place, then we'll figure out how to skirt around the system. (laughs) Yeah, like everything else. But it's weird. I'm, I'm, I don't want to be presumptuous here. I'm going to assume that you are the kind of guy who might have made some money off marijuana in his life. Legend has it. Allegedly. Legend has it, allegedly. How do you feel the game might change for somebody who is a street dealer in New York? Like, do you know about the plans for dispensaries and shit like that? I mean, you know, <clears throat> I'm far removed from that because I own a brand, Smokers Club. Right. Um, One of the founders and owners. And, you know, um, we're moving into compliance and just doing different things in the marijuana world. Mm. So I'm not really, not even really, I'm not paying attention to anything black market because mm. that's not 
my lane of right. shit. You know what I mean? So, um, <clears throat> or at least you know what's going on right now. So, Smokers Club is focused on compliancy and and really doing different things in in the entertainment world mm. with marijuana. So that's interesting because yeah. I notice that Rolling Loud, like when I look at their promotional materials, I don't really see anything weed related, and I'm pretty sure that's because they're trying to go to China. They're trying to go international where weed is looked down upon in a lot of places and they want to be able to say, yeah, it's called Rolling Loud, but what, the music's loud. Like They don't want to have to be caught up in being like a weed-specific thing because internationally that plays a lot different. Right. I mean, I, I can't really speak on what Tarek is doing on, on that side. Yeah, I haven't might, asked him about that. He might have a different perspective on that, but you know, I think it's, for them it's more for the experience mm. that you could see all of these dope artists in one place at one time. Cause I know that's for us, me, Johnny Scheiss, like we want to give an experience where you can get that. And it's like, you know, Woodstock mm. It's like, you know, catered to stoners, right? by stoners. So that's our, you know, spin on what we do with our shit. And you know, we, we started with doing the tours and stuff around 2009, um, South by Southwest and just, you know, growing. And that first show, like we had, Every who's who on that, like Kendrick was on that show. Mm. I was on that show. Wiz, Crit, Spitter. I think I remember Devin that flyer. Definitely, dude. Yeah. yeah, like you know, it was a big show. But have you had, ended <clears> up <throat> in situations where you're doing Smokers Club shows in places where you basically can't smoke? Yeah, and yeah. it's like How's oxymoron. It's like yeah. you know, I'd be like, "How you book Smoke Dizzle at a show where Smoke Dizzle can't be Smoke Dizzle?" Yeah. But at the end of the day, you got to understand it's a business too. Yeah. So I mean, you don't. It's kind of weird, you know, because the fans is here to do that, and you, you're watching people that came to see you get kicked out because they're going to spark up once you get on the shit anyway. Right. And, you know, sometimes I might break the rule and just do it and just be like, well, fuck it. My yeah. show is almost over anyway, so I'm going to leave with them anyway. But then sometimes, you know, you just got to respect the game. And you don't have to necessarily be smoking to, to give that content. Yeah, you got to be able to be... It. Be a little smart about it at a certain point and just yeah. know the spot you're in. Because, man, sometimes you are in a venue where you light up a fucking blunt and you just see, like, buzz cut ass security guards just, like, the <laughs> eyes just hit you. And it's just like, they're really going to treat it like you just, like, slapped a baby right there. Like, they're yeah. going to act like you really did the worst thing ever. Yeah, they get, they're, they're a bit extra sometimes. And I'm like, yo, dog, it's not even worth your job, dude. Right. Like, why are you... Let, let the kids smoke. Yeah. Like some shows like, <clears throat> or at least being on the road and, and watching diehard fans get put out like either after my set or before my set. And I would be the guy to go get the fan and bring him back in. Right. Like, nah, let him back in. He's good. He with me. Mm. You know, just because, you know, these kids is here for a show. They here, you know, this is what we do right. at the end of the day. It's not like we're, we hurting nobody. And. It's not like they're underage kids either. Right. So, you know, if this is what we partake in and this is our spiel, then they should be able to enjoy it. Yeah, it feels like a lot of the world is getting a lot more open-minded to weed, but it's still, when it comes to, like, smaller boundaries, you're still just sort of steadily seeing things broken down. And for me, just to go back to Williamsburg and be staying in an Airbnb and to be able to be smoking on the porch and not even thinking twice about it was a very different experience it feels like a different city because everywhere we're going in the city and shit too i'm smoking just... in williamsburg adam yeah you were smoking in the hood with us mm. it's a little different in harlem he yeah was but in that, harlem it, with us smoking. in the projects different. like in a house like in an apartment building yeah but yeah true but still in all you was in the hood like, yeah but i'm talking more about my days riding bmx in like 2003 2004 shit like that where if you fucking lit a blunt union square you were well, really looking around like you were breaking the law yeah yeah 
I mean, it depends where you was at, but yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's a lot of white owls getting smoked on the corner that the cops just somehow managed to ignore. <laughs> but is that what you're on? What do you smoke at this point? At this point, I'm on backwards. Okay. I was um I was a Dutch master guy for a long time, long and, and once, time. once they switched the leaf, I felt like they started making it in um Connecticut. Really? They, yeah. It changed up that much. They, yeah, because the whole texture, everything switched up, and I was like. Eh. That started making the weed taste funny. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, for me, I, I didn't even know that there was a blunt besides the Dutch Master for a long time. Really? I mean, that was just the only thing I knew of was just my homies who rode bikes just going in the store and being like, let me get a Dutch. <laughs> it didn't really. I guess the, I knew about Philly. But, so. what, but what kind of Dutches, though? The, the, the Palmas, like the, the cigar Dutches or the Cigarellos? That shit with the thing that you wrap around it and everything. But I mean, me, oh, I, I didn't really get that into smoking weed. Like, I wasn't buying weed and rolling blunts myself until I moved to California in 2009. I was always just a dude who would smoke when other, other people were smoking, but I never really got so married to it that I had to like facilitate my own smoking until about 2009 when I moved out here. Respectfully. I yeah. mean, Living out here, you would have to partake if you're any bit of cool. I mean, it was like just it was just an education in in how to like smoking a lot of good weed, or we thought it was good at the time at least. Like over and over and over. As soon as I got out here, man, there was a lot of very early night sleep. There was a lot of spinning out, a lot mm -hmm. of like just getting too high to bust through that wall that you got to get past. You know, you meet like a girl all the time, be like, I can't smoke weed, I freak out, I go crazy. You know, I, I just didn't let that stop me. I had to break through a yeah, few of those walls. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, my first few times coming out here, or not even few, still, I might smoke like some Billy Kimball, like some Luigi, and just be decapitated for the rest of the day. Yeah. But I learned to really, like, have some type of moderation, if that even is such a thing for me, when I got to work. Like, right now, uh, I smoked a little before I got, like, I was outside smoking before I got in here. Because I, I know it's this, this no smoke dizza. Yeah. No smoke dizza. Three months left. It's, it's a countdown until yeah. we get a new spot where we can smoke freely. All right, good. I can't wait. I'll be back so I can really, you know, I don't conduct know myself I, the way I want to. I don't know if I could get unpleasantly high off like Smith spliffs or blunts, but if I take one dab, it's going to really affect Bro. how I'm living. Yeah. Do you dab like that? No. Like often? But once in a while, somebody will bust them out. But I'm not really going to do it unless it's like... I'm probably going to be relatively close to my bed or at the end of the night or like, I'm not really trying to just be trotting around. I, I ain't trying to do an interview off a of dab. I can't fuck with the dabs, man. That's a lot. That shit took me out the game, man. Really? Yeah, that's like weed basing, I call it. Yep. I don't even right. like the whole idea of it. It's just, it just creeps me out. That is a funny effect when a regular yeah. person sees you taking a dab and they think that you're an actual crackhead. <laughs> like, yo, like, dog, what are you doing? Like, yo, what is that shit you just put it in? You put it on it. What's the little shit that you scooped it with? Th like, that's how I felt the first time I saw on. somebody do it. Yeah, I was really like, oh, no, you're like a real drug addict. Yeah, that's a lot going on. It's a, it's an intense um, form of marijuana mm. that I don't like to indulge in. That's not my type of thing. I feel like you've really done a great job over the past, like, 10 years or so of creating, like, a really strong personal brand of just being like a cool ass New York motherfucker that smokes a lot of weed. Yeah, I mean, you know, staying consistent being myself. Mm. So, you know, I don't really got to uh, adjust to what's going on around me. <clears throat> it's really just living. If I fuck with it, I fuck with it. If I don't, I don't. And if I'm indifferent, I'm just indifferent. Like, I'm not... I support all the young artists coming up. Mm. You know what I mean? And I support all the legends too that, you know, might might want to work like I'm not against working with people. Mm. Like, you know that's what building a camaraderie is. What would keep you going? Right. See the same people you see going up, going down. So like, 
is there anything about the Griselda shit that sort of inspired you or just made like I feel like to a lot of like a certain type of rap fan, them blowing up over the past couple of years has been like extremely motivational. Extreme. I just got off the phone with Westside. It's mm. one of my best friends. Uh, all of them. Um, but yeah, I'm very inspired by uh, by what they do. Just the craft, the craft, the 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 cadence, the way they they line they shit up, the the choice of beats, and you know they they some they some real brothers at the end of the day. Mm. Like we all come from from some type of struggle. Right. And and you know, just to, to exist in this game right now and to have the shift back to lyrics. Like for me it's a win. I, I love seeing Griselda, I love seeing Davies. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like shit like that, it, it it warms my heart because that's my feel of shit. So yeah, I do the stoner shit too, but I'm also from New York and you know, those are my peers. So mm. to see that shit being um highlighted. It's like, okay, cool. Like, so now I could fit myself in there and do what I gotta do as well. So. I was like just having that conversation with Dave East on here where I was saying that like Bronson to me was one of the first dudes who came out who really was able to take a different approach towards a rap career where it's like, I don't need to be a dude who has a number one hit. I can just be a cool ass real person from a city. I'm a great representation of that city. People love me. I can go and do some video content and do a TV show. I could do YouTube. I could do the music thing and it doesn't matter if my album don't sell 100,000 copies because it's all part of just creating like a, a a strong personal brand and like with you even doing the events and stuff it's like you you definitely in the sim- similar way to Dave and and Bronson and everybody it feels like there's a lot of people who are really able to like create these dope careers without necessarily compromising their music because somebody like you if you wanted to try to make it as a rapper in the late 90s you might have gone and thrown on a shiny suit uh, <laughs> <laughs> at least I it would have been a temptation I mean uh, maybe not but <laughs> I see I, I get what you mean no offense to Styles Styles is on the I mean, album I mean those is my brothers at the end of the day you know what I mean yeah. but I don't know I don't know what mindset I would have been at in, mm. in the 90s with being smoked Dizza, mm. but I definitely, you know, that w- I would have been placed amongst the elite. Mm. I know that, but um, you know, just I got a cult at the end of the day. Like I got people that that follow what I do. Mm. So I don't. I never really tried to make a hit record because I never really cared about. It never was about a hit record to me. Mm. It's about a legacy. So. Yeah, I might not have a song that you could be like, oh, yeah, well, Smoke, this is the guy that made that X. But I have a career and a catalog and a lineage of, you know, helping artists and, you know, just being a part of the culture. Mm. But you can't take that away from me. Yeah, you know I mean? that's so more that's, of a long-term brand building thing, you know, yeah. where it's like so many other things kind of depend on that. Like you, you being able to come out and do the vinyl shit. It's like that type of thing, having that kind of fan base that fucks with that is not going to really work if you're a compromised artist. Right. If they feel like you're just kind of doing whatever you got to do, trying to make a hit, they're going to be looking at you like, you know, you're compromised, which you you would be if you're really like going extra in that direction. There's, there's something to really yeah. be said for keeping it solid and hardcore. Yeah, you know? I mean, yes and no, because I can't say that, you know, I wouldn't like one if mm. it happened, but it's not something that I was focused on because, like I said, that's not my bread and butter. Like, you know, I'm not, I don't make radio music, so I don't expect to hear myself on the radio Mm. or in the club, even though it might happen. You know what I mean? But that's just, 
that's just me just being straightforward, just being like, all right, this is what I want to do. That might change. Yeah. But for right now, you know, in, in my journey, that hasn't been something that I was all the way focused on. When I think back to the first time I even knew about you, I think about, it was it a noisy piece that they did, like, on the basketball court and shit way oh, back in the day? It's probably yeah, 10 years ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah. I ran down on my mom's and all types of other shit. Yeah, where, yeah. where were you at in your life when you look back at, like, when that was being filmed? Um, I was still learning the game. Like, you know, I've I've always been indie. I, I've never done a major situation, but I've been in situations, right? Um, contractual situations where it might have it might have not been in my best favor. And that's not to knock anybody. Like I'm not disgruntled or anything. But you mm-hmm. know, it's just learning business. Like you gotta bump your head and you have to you don't have to, but when you make these mistakes, these are the mistakes that teach you, and, mm-hmm. and it's the lessons that help you. It's even going to elevate you. It's going to leave you where you at. The goal is just to make the mistakes inexpensively. Inexpensively. Because I made and, a lot of expensive-ass mistakes, and, and they ain't that fun. Right, right. So <laughs> to double back where I was at, you know, I was making a lot of expensive mis- mistakes, mm. and um, I was learning, and, you know, I'm grateful for the times, but... I wasn't in the best place. Why you say that? You just weren't satisfied with your life? Were you? Were you... Nah, I mean I'm always I'm breathing and I'm here, so I'm I'm always satisfied with with my life and well career wise, because you know you always I, I have goals and wants that I haven't achieved yet, mm. but um you know career wise at the time I wasn't all the way right business wise, mm. like I, I didn't really my structure was there. But I was doing a lot of finding myself. It was like I was at a time where I was being um, rebellious to a lot of my mentors mm-hmm. and a lot of people that was around me that was uh, trying to guide me to do the right thing. But then it comes to play where it's like, you know, I got a family. So it's like. But what, so you have you regrets tell me, about who exactly re- you worked with no, in that regard? I don't regrets at all. I don't live with regrets. But, you know, I would have done some things a little differently had I had I probably not been just thinking like, okay, just let me take the bag and mm. do this and worry about that later. Yeah. When you know later comes sooner than you think. <laughs> you know what I mean? Later ain't always right. later. There's like, always, as soon as you get anywhere in your life, there's always going to be opportunity to get a short-term bag that is going to fuck up some other shit that will work in the long run. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's the music Especially industry. as a music guy. Yeah, yeah, shit happens. I mean, but at the end of the day, we, we still all blessed to even be able to get that bag. Because mm. there's some niggas that could rap Till eternity, and nobody wants to pay them to do that. Mm. So you know, to be able to make those expensive mistakes, you know, that says a lot about character too. Right. That that you could even be able to have something expensive to to fuck up. Mm. You feel That's me? True. So. Do, do you feel like uh, like have you ever lost the motivation to keep creating as a rapper? Did you ever lose that along the way? Because you have had a pretty long career at this point. Yeah, every now and then, you know, like I deal with real life shit. I'm human. Mm. You know, I deal with shit with my wife that might fucking rattle me. Right. Like, uh, I deal with shit with my kids that might rattle me, with my parents that might rattle me. Right. I wouldn't say make me lose motivation because, you know, like I was telling uh, one of of my younger homies that was asking me about, like, when's the last time you had writer's block? And I'm like, I don't have writer's block because I live a lot. Right. Right. So for motivation, like, I live a lot and I live a real, a really fucking cool life. Mm-hmm. And that's not even like on, on like, you know, 
lavish. Like, I, you know, shit, I'm doing what I want to do right. in my life. <laughs> like, you know, like, I'm sitting here talking to you high in L.A. I'm from New York. I'm from New York City. Right. I've never had a job a day in my life. You know what I mean? Right. I, I, look, so it's like, you know, motivation just comes from living. Mm. So I don't really. It's crazy, though, because I will... Look at my Instagram story. The last night I'm looking at my Instagram story, I might be the night before, and I've seen a whole bunch of my friends, and they were at some cool-ass, like, Thug and Migos show or some shit. They're all backstage kicking it with all these people, and, like, you know, I'm just really looking at it like, damn, I was really in bed by, like, 11.30, and, like, woke <laughs> up and went to the gym and was eating super healthy and shit, but, and I'm, like, happy, really happy about living that life, but then at the same time, I'm, like, you just sometimes get that reminder, like, damn, I could be outside doing shit at the end of the day, a lot of the best opportunities that you're going to come to you in your life are because you just went to some function and just tapped in with somebody randomly, met somebody, et cetera, you know? And it's like, that is the weird part about getting older is getting further and further away from that. Whereas when I was 20, if there was some dope party going on down the street, I'm there. You right know, I'm there, pulling up. Right now I probably couldn't like, have got in, but I would have wanted to be there. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, man. Like, you know. I wouldn't call it jaded because I still like doing certain shit, mm. but... I don't be liking to be out like that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's all the same shit. Unless it's something special. Unless it's something that, you know, one 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 of my peoples is doing that I respect or somewhere where I might need to be. Mm -hmm. Now, there's times where I don't want to do something and I go and I might bump into a right. bag. You feel me? Or bump into an opportunity right. for a bag. So, you know, trying to get out of that is a is a process within itself. But... Like you said, getting older and being around the bend so long and doing all the same shit. It's like, how much of this shit can you do? Like, how many times can I go to South by Southwest? Right. You feel me? Like, when you've done it 10 times. <laughs> you've done it 10 times. I'm about to go to South by Southwest. I'm going to perform mm -hmm. for the same moving crowd that's following me from venue to venue. And mm -hmm. yeah, you might get into a fader for it. But it's like, okay, what else? So, mm -hmm. you know. That's where we at. With it's shit. easy to be excited about shit when it's your first time around the block. When you're 18, 19, whatever, you're just like outside, really, for the first time, getting to go to a club, go to a party, whatever. It's like, you couldn't tell me that shit wasn't dope. Right. No, it was, because <laughs> it's, new, it's new energy. Yeah. You feel me? New energy is always dope. But mm. then when you repeatedly, repeatedly do it over and over, it's mm. like, all right, what's next? You know everything about it. You remember your first time on tour? Yeah, my first time on tour was crazy. Um, my first time on tour was with Crit and Currency. Oh, wow. Um, Smokers Club. That's official. 2010. I think our first show was in, like, Canada or some shit. I didn't even have a passport at that time. And you got through it? And, uh, no, I got one, obviously. Oh, okay, okay. I got expedited <laughs> in 24 hours. But, um, you know, that was the reason that I even got one, because it's like, all right, cool, we about to fucking go to Canada and do different shit. So I had to have one. But, um... That tour taught me a lot because I learned a lot from spinning crit, like performing wise. Mm. You know what I mean? Being able to rock a crowd and just movement, you know, and, yeah. and being able to to watch them every night and learn from my peers and like repeatedly do that, like get to tour with Wiz and get to tour with Method Man and Juicy J and like all these people that rock crowds for real, you know, it helped mold my craft as well because I took bits and pieces from all of them. Right. Just being there watching. I watched the same set every night and enjoy it the same way. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's like I was I wasn't just watching it just 
as a fan, I was watching it to learn. Right. You feel me? Because it's a reason that these guys are successful. Somebody so. like Juicy or Wiz or whatever who who just go on tour and they're just used to just grinding out these fucking back ends just over and over. You know, you have to get that physical act of going on stage and perform it down to a science because mm -hmm. when you just go on tour, or you do a random show here and there for the first time. I mean, you could just sort of wing it and not really know exactly what you're doing. Maybe you get by on the energy from the crowd or whatever. But if you want to keep going doing that shit for decades, I mean, that's a real skill. Nah, the mechanics in that shit is like some whole other shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's breath control. It's knowing when to talk and when not to talk. You know, it's even up to putting your set together with how that should be. You yeah. know what I mean? So, you know, learning that structure and seeing how that shit went helped me move how I'm moving right now. Right. So, shout out to all those guys. Definitely. Um, do you do the Fronto ever? <clears throat> Not really. Not, Not a fan. Fronto guy. Not like that. No. All my Brooklyn homies do that shit, though. Yeah. Uh, my friend Black Dave from Harlem, he, he has... Shout out to Black Dave. You know Skater Dave? Black Dave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I know Black Dave. Dave is fully converted me to like fronto except i just don't like the actual process of burning that shit and putting it in the spliff and shit it's just i haven't got used to it yet it's, but it's a lot that's a, a whole process yeah <laughs> it's a lot you might as well just smoke a bag with him just be done it's yeah it's a lot that's i don't true. like i don't like smoking fronto with the white paper because it's like it tricks me so if somebody be like yo mm. pass me a spliff or pass me a joint or what looks like a joint to me right and i hit it thinking it's a joint mm -hmm. and you get that punch to the gut out of nowhere that bleh, mm. and it's like all right but i can't fuck with this that's a part of the that's reason why i don't for. even smoke with people mm. like i'll do personal parties all day you feel that way that you, just if a fan walks up to you and passes you a blunt it ain't really it's not worth <laughs> nah, it that's not it's not worth it oh yeah do i have pcp in there not not just that but it's just <laughs> you were funny fentanyl weed <laughs> i heard that Yo, fentanyl look, weed's out I know. I kind of have a hard time believing that anybody would waste their fentanyl and putting it on weed, but I hope you just didn't put that in the universe. No, that's a real thing. I heard people talking about this. I heard I, Artie Lang was on fucking Joe Rogan saying that there's fentanyl weed out there. I'm like, man, that's news. See, to that's me. why you got to know what you're smoking and you yeah. got to know where you're getting it from and you know what it is because. Mm. But that's a whole nother topic because <laughs> you about to just. Have my derail you. Yeah, you about to derail me. <laughs> <laughs> Fentanyl weed, but nah, I'm not. I'm not smoking no fan weed. I used to. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they, they might if they come to me with like tree, like I take donations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I take them because you got works. offerings. Yeah, Easy. bring, it, bring yeah, your weed. Yeah. Give it. I'll smoke it. It's like I'll fan work. pussy. Seems great at first, but then over time you just start to learn your lesson. You on your own with that. Yeah. You never did it. Oh, you're not about to bait me into that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. No. Oh, you've been a married man for a long time? Yeah, okay. You're so you don't even know. That one. You don't you know never even heard of it. Never, is, was there a girl in, you, in the crowd? I didn't notice. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't be girls at my shows. My shows were stoners. How you feel about that, though? <laughs> it's good. Whatever. Money is green. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. That's it, real. Nah, but girls be at the shows, obviously. Girls smoke weed, too. But, you know, we there to perform. Yeah. I go back to my hotel room, live my life. Right. That's sleep. real. Watch yeah. Sports Center. Watch uh, fucking WWE Network. That's what you go to when you get in the hotel now? Yeah. Respect. I, to order fucking room service or Uber Eats if the room service is trash or doesn't exist. But you stay up on current wrestling? Like, that hasn't lost its appeal to you at all? Nah. Because, I mean, you know, sometimes I might fall out with it just living my life <clears throat> and not being able to tune in. Right. But I still catch bits and pieces on Bleacher Report or mm -hmm. whatever. But, um... Yeah, that shit keep me, it keeps me interested because, mm. you know, I go to the events, like me and Westside, 
go to all the events. Like, we're supposed to be going to Survivor Series on Sunday. I can't make it because I have to do some shit with my daughter, but he's going. Mm. But Respect. it's not it's not every, it's not not a pay-per-view that we don't miss. Mm. So, you know, just staying in tune. And it's like, you know, getting tuning out of all the important real shit that's going on in our worlds mm. to just go be entertained. Right. And just be a fan of something and just be able to just be like, cool. We know it's not real, quote unquote. It's real to I me, goddammit. I wouldn't say it's fake, you mm. feel me? Because those guys are really getting hurt. There's no such thing as, you know, those guys faking neck injuries and, mm. you know, those different fucking mishaps that happen with them. Although it might be scripted in a certain kind of way, but it's a sport. You right. know what I mean? Like it takes a lot of... Uh, will, motivation, and talent to pull that shit off and cut them promos and different shit. Like, I got a, a whole respect for fucking all the wrestlers in that business because it's a lot of shit that comes with that that a, a normal person couldn't do. Yeah, I mean, it's like the rap <laughs> wrestling uh, comparison is almost kind of tired, but it's so true. When you're really watching a rapper like give or a, a wrestler like give that promo, mm-hmm. bro, that's like. You ever heard 50 talking shit at the end of a song? You ever heard Cam shout Cam, on you Cam to start is, a tape Cam off? Cam is the Ric Flair of that. That's a beautiful thing right yeah. there. The best <laughs> the best thing you can do as a rapper is get to the point where you can talk that talk so vividly that it feels like a rapper, uh, a wrestling promo. That's the best promos. Yeah. Those are the best rappers, too, that that entertain in that, in that way. Right. Yeah. That's kind of the problem, honestly, though, is that a rapper a lot of times can have that energy when they're young. <laughs> And they don't know shit, and they're not like exposed to what the real world is like. They can go on camera and talk the craziest, toughest talk ever, and then they start to, you know, be thirty, and everything starts to like feel a little bit more real, and it's like harder for them to go out there and just act like that big of an asshole. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean, pretty much. Yeah. Because you know, you nobody gives you a fucking tutorial when you come doing this shit. Mm. You know, luckily you might. You might have an OG that's been in this shit that could give you advice. Mm. But it's up to you to take the advice at the end of the day. But Everybody how, got their own lane with what they want to do. How do you feel, though? Because it's like a very specific style of rap that has kind of taken over a lot of different cities and shit. But in New York in particular right now, we're really seeing like that drill wave of like real gang-banging on record, saying crazy-ass shit, so many threats of violence. I'm not even going to name specific artists, but we then are seeing the actual violence play out in real life, and it's kind of crazy because, bro, that is just like a completely different world of hip-hop sometimes when you really look at that shit because it's so it's so functional. Like, it is there to provoke and represent and show what is going on in a very specific part of, like, street life. It is. I mean, it's art imitating life in certain ways, but um, kids is expressing themselves, man. Let, yeah. them, let them kids express themselves. If that's the fucking music they want to make and it's working, it's, it's let it. It's working. It's yeah. working for a reason. You feel me? Like before, I might have been a little ignorant towards the whole um idea of it mm. because making music with substance and like you know I'm really racking my brain trying to think of this shit and and these niggas is just coming with the whatever. You know, it'll have you a little resentful, right? Mm-hmm. Until you look at the art and, and you think like, yo, dogs, like, it's something for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a crowd for everybody. Like, that's just not the crowd for you. Like, why are you trying to make them people like your shit? Mm-hmm. Like, them people like that. Like, let them like that and embrace that. Because you got to understand, like, everybody's not supposed to make the same music. Mm-hmm. It's, that's why, you know, this shit is, it's no rules in rap. 
Yeah. So if that's what they doing, like I embrace pop smoke. I embrace all those dudes. I right. think that shit's hard. Like, you know what I mean? Get money. You know what I mean? Everybody could run that shit up. Right. It's not it's not stopping it for nobody else. You know what I mean? They, they not in the way. Don't matter. Yeah, that's true. But sometimes it just feels like like somebody sent me a video of some kid rapping the other day. I like three, four million views in like a few weeks or whatever. And they're like, what do you think of this? Like, you think I should sign this kid? I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. Is a 16-year-old kid with a machine gun in the projects. That's like why it has 4 million views. Like, if you were to just listen to this, it's not really anything special going on. It's just popping off because it is ridiculously violent. And at the end of the day, how long are you going to be able to monetize that for? Are you going to be able to monetize that with a clear conscience? What does this guy have left once he catches a case and he can't be having guns in the video and shit? That's true. That's you know? true, but I mean, you know. That's not to shit on him. It's just to say that, like, from a label perspective, do you not feel some sort of level of, like, that? Guilt. that's all you want to push? What, guilt? You know, I would feel guilty if, like, if I was pushing an artist that I had signed and they're, like, a fucking 18-year-old kid going out and saying a bunch of stupid shit about popping perks and having guns and all this crazy shit, don't you at a certain point be like, man, like, what the fuck am I putting out there into the culture? I mean, me as a uh, man with kids, yeah. But, yeah. you know, somebody that doesn't see it like that and sees it for entertainment <clears throat> might beg to differ mm. because you know we can't act like that doesn't exist in the world right now because it's a lot of it that exists and it's working mm. and it's being powered by something you know so yeah i mean you a regular person would have guilt but somebody that's in the business mm. that sees the dollar signs and knows how much they could benefit from it they don't give a fuck about these kids. <laughs> I mean, so it's like they see a dollar, and if it works, it works, and if it doesn't, then they drop it and move on to the next thing. That's mm. the music industry. Yeah, but there's no part of you that's interested in really dealing with some fucking seventeen-year-old nutcase, or do you, could you see yourself? Because I mean, you coming out and doing a project with somebody like Benny, who yeah, he's a new rapper, but he's also like a grown-ass man. That's Me and Benny's the same respectable. age. Yeah, yeah and, and he could rap for real. But to go back to your question, with a sub, me with a 17-year-old knucklehead, mm. I had a 15-year-old son. Right. That's enough knucklehead It's going to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't need nobody else knucklehead, son, mm. to, to that I'm trying to get rich. That's a knucklehead that I got to deal with and be a fucking babysitter. No, I deal with my own kids. But do you have to deal with, like, being a father in this day and age, it's got to be weird. Like, do you have, frequently find yourself having to explain shit to them that, hey, this thing that's being depicted as dope in the media or in music or whatever is not as dope as you think it is? Do you have to have that conversation at some I, point? I do, but I don't because I don't want to be a hypocrite, mm. right? So that's like, obviously, you know, I don't want my, my kids smoking weed. So I'm going to say don't smoke weed. And he's going to say, well, you smoke weed. Right. I'm going to be like, well, you're not me. But that's not enough of an explanation. Yeah. You feel me? So the best thing you could do is you can guide them away from it by saying, hey, don't do this because this ain't for you and this is not what you're supposed to be doing. However, mm -hmm. you're going to be grown one day and you'll be able to make your own decisions and I can't tell you shit. Mm -hmm. But right now, this is not what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having those conversations about music and shit. I let him express himself. You know what I mean? Not not express himself enough to be disrespectful, but it was a point in time where my parents ain't want me listening to Biggie mm -hmm. or ain't want me listening to Onyx or Tupac or that didn't stop me from listening to them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because back the fuck up on a t-shirt back in the day, mom, that, my mom's wasn't here. She wasn't having that. The best thing you can do is to draw the connection between them being 14 <laughs> and listening to fucking 6 9 and Lil Pump. Be able to draw the line right. back and say, yo, yeah, like, 
I fuck with what you're into. It's cool. But also watch, like, take a look at the history of rap and look at how it took so many different things along the way to get to that point. To get to, right. See, just recently, I took my kid to his first rap show. I Which took one? Him, Big Crit. Nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Big Crit and Rhapsody. Nice. Shout and I was Rhapsody. like, and I was watching him, like, smiling, like, watching him look at the show. And I'm like, this is real music. Mm. You feel me? And I don't know if it might correlate years from now. With him, with his his palette of of music, with what he listened to, but you know, I'm trying to guide him in the right direction, mm. and, and and music with substance, shit yeah. that you could you could gain, you could get a mineral or two from out of that, and just not a whole bunch of yelling and screaming, which I have nothing, mm. I'm not a hater. Yeah. I mean, best case scenario <laughs> you know, is to fuck, be able to to, to like be able to teach your kid enough about rap that they can appreciate. The entirety of it. Like, okay, you might be into this shit because this is the shit that's popping off on YouTube, but I'm going to show you a Rhapsody and I'm going to explain why it's dope to you. I feel like if my parents had, like, taken the time to really explain the weed thing in the sense of, like, this is a thing that adults can do and it's it's cool for them to do it, but you're 15 and you you need to be focused on school at this point. Listen, when you turn 18, I'll go and smoke a joint with you and we can have a conversation about it. But it's just not something that you want to jump into too early. Hopefully, I don't know. Kids, do, they, do they understand nah, that? Nah. I, I, they, don't, they wouldn't understand that. That would be something they're looking forward to. That was like, you know, for me, it would be like, well, when I'm 16, I, can I get a tattoo? Yeah. You feel me? So it's like. I don't want my kid being like, well, yeah, dad, when I'm 18, can I smoke a blunt with you? Mm. Like, no. Go figure that shit out in your life. Because I don't want to take you from zero to 60. Like, That's stupid. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't like, come smoke with the goat to start your weed career off? I mean, I'm his I'm his pop. So you need I, an he, apple ball. He could, but, that's, <laughs> but he don't need to smoke weed at all. That's my that's whole right. point. You feel me? Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's what I do. That's what I want a kid to understand is like, if you're... 18, 19, 20, you're just getting started in your life. You need to be more concerned with making some money, being passionate about something, figuring out the kind of shit that you want to do with your life and, and fucking with bitches and doing drugs needs to be like a very distant thing in your brain. Those are things that are rewards for everything else you're going to do in your life. Hmm. Yeah. Yes and no. Mm. You don't agree? What, fucking bitches and doing drugs? I just think if you're, eight, if you're you 18, your children, you don't need to make that the focal point. You know a lot of people. I know a lot of people who are like 19, 20 or whatever, and they wake up in the morning, and all they're thinking about is how to get some weed. Um, it's, not a, it's not a life to live. It's not a, you're not ready <laughs> for not that. Promising. It's not good. It's <laughs> not promising. What about going to college and you know, you know having a job? Yeah. You know, like trying to build your future. You know, worried about credit. like Credit. Shit like that. Man, I got perfect credit now all of a sudden. You got perfect credit? All of a sudden. I had bad credit my whole life, and all of a sudden all the medical bills I didn't pay and shit back in the day, they're all gone. I never had any credit until recently. Really? Yeah. Finally, and now I have good credit. Better than having bad credit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, shit. No credit is bad credit. Mm. No, but... um. Yeah, credit is a good thing, man. Shout out to you for having good I credit. appreciate too. that. You know, I, we should specify that the first time I think we ever met was in Harlem. Yeah, Duke the God's crib. Duke the God spot, and me and Duke yeah. the God got drunk as hell doing an interview together. And I for did like, like a five-hour podcast, and I left y'all because I'm like, yo, what? What the fuck is this nigga? This nigga got mad tattoos, and Duke is drunk. <laughs> Duke is drunk. These niggas just rambling about a whole bunch of fucking lineage that I heard a thousand times. I'm, I'm like, just okay, chilling Duke, with Hellrell. Hellrell yeah. is just posted. <laughs> Rugi posted. Shice in the building. <laughs> Rugi, I'm calling that. <laughs> Shice in the building. I'm like, yep. man, get me the fuck out of here. This is a lot, but yeah, it was that like was a good time. I, I didn't know that Duke the God was prone to at least when he had a lot to drink, he started busting out some c- conspiracy theories and shit. 
Yeah. So there was a point in the interview where I was just like, nah, this probably shouldn't come out. <laughs> Duke Duke is a YouTube connoisseur. He goes down those he'll holes. Scour, okay. He'll scour those little rabbit holes for mm. fucking rare Malcolm X interviews and fucking mm. <laughs> conspiracy theories <laughs> on fucking random shit. That's amazing. Shout out to Duke the God. I remember that night too that like... I think it was hell real. He said, he's like, yo, show me some new shit. If you know about all the new shit, show me some new shit. And I put on the fucking 6 9 and Trippy Red song, Poles. And this is like one, the first song that really popped 6 9 off. And I remember like hell real and Duke looking at it and just being like, all right, whatever. <laughs> just sort of like, if you say so. Like, they just seemed like they were like, yeah, huh, I'm sure it will blow up, but whatever, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it ended up working. So, yeah, it worked out for a while at least. Um, and I, I remember having that conversation with them. I was like, who do y'all listen to? You were probably in the room, too. And a, a couple of people mentioned that they listened to fucking CMG, listen to Gotti and Black Youngster and all them a good mm -hmm. amount. And I was thinking about that. It's like, is there a part of you that's drawn to any, like, down south type rap in particular? Um, I like Young Dolph. Mm, Dolph is great. I think Young Dolph is super dope. I like Yo Gotti, too. Mm. I like um, Big Crit. Currency, currency. Is I, I mean, you know, like I, it, it may sound biased, but that's that's what I listen to. Like mm -hmm. I listen to my friends' shit. They just happen to be my friends, but they make good music. So you listen to anything outside of the rap? Um, I listen to old school R and B. Mm. Fucking shit, like fucking um, Teddy Pendergrass and fucking um, Bob Marley and the Whalers mm. and fucking Otis Redding and. Just random shit. It's so different going between some old school shit because, you know, at times I'll be with my girl. She don't really want to listen to rap as much as I do. We put on some old school shit that we all heard. You know, at least you heard these songs dozens of times versus what I'm usually listening to, which is just new rap music where it's like I'm probably not even going to listen to it enough times to be able to remember any of the lyrics. I'm just <laughs> sort of taking in. It's like it's like the difference between reading a book and being on Twitter. <laughs> Because I'm mm. being bombarded with all this new shit. Right. Versus right. listening to some album. I, I put on The Blueprint the other day. It's such a different experience musically to be listening to something that you heard 300 times. It is. It's a movie. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot going on in that shit. It, it, it invokes a lot of different moods. And the production, just everything about the album is dope. And it's music that not only did I listen to it hundreds of times throughout my life, but it was very much made with the knowledge that that's how it was going to be consumed. Whereas these days, no matter how much you care about your music, you still know in the back of the head that this is an attempt to get people to listen to this shit, knowing that it's hard to get people to listen to shit and that they tend to move past the project. They might listen to it once or twice and move past it. It's like to listen to something that was made to last and has done so, so effortlessly is just. That's life after death for me. Mm. <clears throat> I could listen to that album every single day mm. and not get tired of it. But you know, the new way I feel in making music to to give replay value is not actually putting out albums mm. and doing these EPs. Right. And, and you know, like pairing up with, with different artists and different producers. And making just it exciting Making for it exciting. Making it more of a movie. Mm. You feel me? Because <clears throat> people could see the same thing over and over. And yeah, they like it. You have the people that gravitate towards it. Mm. But then, you know, when you do something with somebody else... It's a different energy, mm. and it's just it's just more of a story. Somebody so. like you, when you draw a project, I feel like, yeah, it's important that you either 
like the, doing the thing with Benny was brilliant, but like if you just sort of lock in with a producer to make the fans feel like, oh, I'm getting like a, a moment in time here. Yeah, this like is something P. that's Rock, specific. P. Rock produced the whole shit. Mm. So that's that's a story within itself, and you know that's us coming off "Don't Smoke Rock," something that he fully produced too. So mm. it was you know keeping that same sound in that same pocket, mm. so people knew what they were going to expect. When you go and do a song with Styles P, they're like. How do, you, how do you reach out for that verse? I'm assuming it's not really that big a deal for you at this point to go uh, work with him on something, but, I mean, that's that's your childhood, too. That's what you grew yeah, up on. Yeah, I mean, those guys gave me... I got an open-door policy over there. Really? Like, I can, I don't have to call any of them. I just show up. And they just like, yo, Dizzo, what's up? Where's the weed? Yo, what we doing? <laughs> you know, but um, Styles is one of my mentors. He's one of my big brothers, so mm. it wasn't nothing but just a call. Like, yo, I, I got one for you. you know, I right, sent it through. Right. Same with Kiss, same with Looch. Like, it's all, you know, it's all love. It's, it's never really a, a big process. Yeah. It's like a crazy thing to get used to, though, huh? It is, because that's my favorite rap group of all time. Yeah. So, you know, for me to to be doing fucking interviews, sitting next to Kiss, and Kiss is like, yo, this is one of the niggas that if, you know, it was war going on and you know you needed to gather the troops i'm i'm grabbing him and yeah. you know just getting those plugs from niggas that i look up to and and you know really took pieces from that shit is overwhelming i wonder what it's like to be him to have like grown ass respectable ass rappers who look at him like that and for him to be a grown ass man in his 40s knowing that he's got that whole like a whole layer of rap history that knows all about his shit. That one of the Godfathers. Pure respect for him. One of the li a living legend, living legends. Yeah. One of the Godfathers of this shit. Crazy. Right. Crazy to think about. Is it cold for Polo in New York at this point? Or just in general? You feel like the designer just took over Polo? You know, I don't want to throw water on that because that's where I came from. And I got a lot of family that's that's into that. Mm. And I'm a low life, so I don't, you know, You're I would still never claiming. say. Yeah, of course. Okay. That's, you know, that's love and loyalty forever. But, um,. You know, right now for me, I'm just trying to do something else that doesn't stop me from mixing the low up because I wear Greg Lauren mm. and I still wear certain Ralph Lauren pieces. You might catch me with a double R Ralph Lauren or, or something more, and that's just, you know, that doesn't say Ralph Lauren on it. Mm. But I wear a lot of pieces like that. But is it cold? Depends who you ask. Mm. I, I think it's, um, it's a brand that'll live forever because. Mm -hmm. You know, the lineage and it's just too many classic pieces that you could always go to. So it would never be like completely cold. I don't want to shit on no brands, but it would never be completely cold. Mm. Like another brand that might not be as cool right now in the culture. But um, no, to answer your question, I don't think it's cold. Well, it's crazy though, because you could easily imagine like some new rapper just popping off and just fully just going full polo. And all of a sudden, Polo's just right back. back. <laughs> right back. I'd be, I'd be at my uncle, at my uncle house. That's like my storage for all my rugby shit. And mm. I probably have to bring all my shit out because I can't keep my shit in a regular space. I need like a big room for my shit, and I need to trust that nothing's happening. I'm always trying to figure out what happens to all the designer after rappers are done with it. I mean, a lot. We, I, well, me, I give a lot of shit away. Like right. a lot of shows, I didn't gave away hundreds of sneakers at shows. Like one time, wears like right. shit that. I might not have no use for it anymore, or I might not ever wear again. Just throw them shits in the crowd, sign them, make That's it fair. memorabilia. You know what what I mean? size are you? I'm a, I'm a 12. What are you? 13. 
I might got I might got something for you. Oh, word? Damn. I got something for you. <sighs> to be real, I got 12s at the crib, too. Because oh, people sometimes be thinking I can rock a 12. Mm. <laughs> I might have to have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> They're wrong, though. Uh, I actually wore 14s for a good good chunk of my life. Word? Nah, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, though. I don't need all that toe. Uh, I was random. Yeah. You must have been sliding in the shoe. I was you sliding. <laughs> sliding. Uh, <laughs> you were slob, bro. At, th- at this point in your life, do you have a lot of concern for like exercise and diet? Has that has that locked in fully? Or wow, because I'm fat. No, I'm just wondering. Like you know, kind of fucking questions. A lot of fat guys gotta like they're like reasonably fat because if they didn't eat healthy and fucking exercise, I want to be fat. So you're feeling it, okay? Yeah, no, I'm fucking with you. No, nah, nah, um, nah. I mean, you know, yeah. When I feel like it, I have my little spurts where I want to be uh, pescatarian or okay. fucking I want to go box or play basketball or right. some shit. And I'm like, yeah, I'm working out. But then, you know, I got my spots where I'm just like, whatever. Bro, the other day I seen Jada and I, I was like, look at that skinny dude who looked like Jada. And it was Jada. It was Jada. But I was like, it, it, in my head, I couldn't even process it for the first like minute that I was looking at him. Yeah. I mean, you know, they 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 got the juice bar. They take mm. very good care of themselves. You know what I mean? The like, juice is the key, apparently. It is. I'm in the juice bar a lot. You are? Apparently. You know, it happens. It's, I just happen to look how I look because I, I want to be this way. I'm saying it's apparent that it's working because these dudes are all grown as fuck and like apparently losing weight. Although myself, personally, if I drink the juice, I don't feel like that's replacing a meal at all for me. I just feel like it's me taking in a whole bunch more calories and shit. I'm send you to the bathroom, man. So Good you, for you. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I it's love taking a bright purple shit. Well, it's just make you pee a lot. Right, yeah, no, I I love to eat asparagus and then have just the connection of knowing that my piss stinks because of something I just ate. That's a lot, Adam. Feels great. It's a lot. Yeah, sometimes I forget who I'm talking to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you, you know, I learned a lot about life because one time I was listening to, um, I think it was a Combat Jack podcast, Rest in Peace Combat, but uh, he's interviewing Memphis Bleak, and for some reason they just start talking about farts, farting in the studio and shit. Bleak. Combat and Bleak was having a. Uh, it was somebody in the room farts. who started like just talking about farting in the studio shit. Bleak shut that shit down. Bleak was not about to be having you motherfuckers too cool ta- for that. Too you cool that motherfuckers talking about farting. <laughs> what are we doing here, dog? Yeah, he was just immediately like, "Hey, yo, no, 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 like we don't talk about like nah." And I was like, "That's a real man right there." I'm over here, man. like, all I got is fart jokes. <laughs> How you assess a real man for somebody that don't want to talk about fart jokes? Because to me, I am a child because I am still gleefully laughing at fart jokes. Somebody calls something gay. Somebody, nah, I you laugh know, at mad fucked shit, up shit. You know? I'm a fucking child. I feel like a heart, kid, so you know? Yeah. I, can't, I ain't got no filter on what I'm laughing at. I'm laughing at all kinds of fucked up yeah, shit. Yeah, I laugh at fucked up shit too. But we're younger. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. We still pretty fucked up though. But you know, like all that Tyler Creator shit that he'd be joking about and shit, like the older generation doesn't know what the fuck Tyler's on. I just barely am of the generation where I still think it's funny that he's making all these fucking offensive jokes and shit. I mean, it's funny to me because I know Tyler Mm. and I I understand him. So I know he's trolling and being sarcastic, right? You saw what he did to Flex? Yeah, that was funny. So funny. Because it's like, you know, let me see how awkward I could make this person type shit. That's what I'm about. I'm a fan of The Office. I like awkward shit. I like somebody who says the thing that is so painful for everybody in the room to hear that everybody just winces. Yeah, it's the shock value. You know what I mean? That's all that shit is. That means a lot to me. (laughs) 
shock value. I grew up listening to Howard Stern. That's what it was all about. That was uh, that was the culture that that shit was built on. And then you know what happened with him is that he goes and he moves to Sirius Radio where all of a sudden he doesn't have the FCC telling him you can't talk about queefs and shit. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden his, his content fundamentally changed because all of a sudden he didn't have somebody telling him, now nah, you can't do that. Right. And when you take that away, like on YouTube, like you don't see that much shit that's like gross out comedy because there's nobody to tell you you can't do that now. That's true. I mean, <clears throat> it's a lane for that, but I don't even think that that's the driving force of the culture right now anyway. Mm. So that's probably why we don't see it too because it's, it's so much serious shit happening that nobody even wants to see that. That's not even funny mm. in the real world. That is true. When you got Donald Trump as your president and all this fucking wild shit happening. That weighs on you? You think about it every day? No. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, I knew what was going to happen. Shit, I'm going to run for president next year. If they fucking voted Trump in, you know what I mean? I might as well go for a bag too. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not voting for Kanye. I don't care if he wins. He's contributed a lot to hip hop. I don't think you really got what it takes to be the president. I'm going to be totally real. I don't think none of them do. <laughs> But <laughs> but I'm indifferent and, and I support Ye. So I'm not about mm. to even go there with that neither. Yeah, it'd be nice but, to have a rapper in there, but I don't know. If it's gonna be a rapper in there, it's gonna be smoked as a George Kush. Yeah, give me 2020. a give me a bun B. I take Bun B. You know? I take Bun. I like Bun B rule my, my country. That's fucked up. Why would he ruin it though? No rule. Oh, uh, I thought you said no, ruin. No, no, no. I don't uh, think Bobby would ruin it. I'm trying to think of like, you know, Scarface is is running for office. I don't know Isn't if he, he running for mayor of Houston or something like that. I think that. it's mayor. I think it's some sort of city councilman or some shit. Mm-hmm. But that's going to be a beautiful thing when we start seeing rappers really like holding office and shit. Killer Mike could do that. Ke- <laughs> I'll take Killer Mike as a president. Mm-hmm. That don't bother me. Mike is a good guy. Really? I'll give it to Jay Z too, but I feel like he's too low key. I feel like you don't want to even be on camera that much. Hov is the man. I got nothing to say about Hov. You, know, you got a lot. Of, you got a lot of bait you got going you on with you. you. But you, you. All I'm saying is, I would like him as a president. I just don't think he seems up for it. He's so low key. He could be so much more I public mean, if he wanted to. It's you know? fucking Jay Z, bro. Yeah. You don't really have to like be outside when you're Jay Z. But that's the problem is a lot of people have like suggested that Joe Rogan would be a good person to run for president. Joe Rogan's like, bro, I don't want to live Joe that Rogan. life. Joe Rogan. The interviewer dude on YouTube, bald UFC uh, fuck. Oh, the UFC dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people have suggested that, but his response is that's gonna ruin my life. Like I'm gonna hate my life. Why would I want to do that to myself? I love he loves his life. He gets to <laughs> hang out, do podcasts, host the UFC, do some comedy, smoke weed, work out. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a nice life right there. Yeah. And especially if you got all the money in the world from having, you know, why the fuck are you going to want to go and work 12 hours a day being the president? Fuck that, man. Yeah. It sounds like a stressful job. It'd be cool, but it ain't going to help your quality of life. Mm. I mean, it depends. What if you ran for president? What would you do? Well, here's here's reason number one that I'm not going to be president. It's not just like everything I've ever said on this podcast <laughs> and beyond. Yeah. Nah. Uh, I feel I, lucky I, to I even just be. You. I, I feel lucky you, to bro. even be able to. Well, I appreciate that, but I feel lucky to even be able to exist, given the fact that I just sit here and just say crazy shit all the time, bro. It's a sensitive ass world. You live a good life, bro. Yeah, it's all right. I'm supposed to do a threesome tonight on camera. That's what you're doing. I'm supposed to. My girl put it in my calendar. I'm not 100 percent sure. I feel like the girl wants us to have a more recent test. My most recent test was like over a month ago, and I don't think she's into that. She wants a fresh one. It's unfortunate because I'm fucking the same girl. You're a legend, bro. Appreciate that. I'm trying not to share that part of my life too often on here. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go smoke one? Yeah, I do. Let's get it. 
Smoke Dizza. My brother. No Jumper. Coolest podcast wow. in the world. Check us on YouTube, SoundCloud, really? iTunes, NoJumper.com if you want to support. Prestige Worldwide. Smoke Dizza Currency. Prestige Worldwide. Black Friday. I started a company named that back in the day. Really? Yeah, me and my brother, my stepbrother. Boats and hoes. There it is. <laughs> hey.